0: just a few minutes, we're going to look at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, verses 1 through 11. If you want to go ahead and find your way there, Ezekiel, chapter 33, verses 1 through 11, if you're using the Bible app, it's in It's in the Bible app. It's also on our website. Um, some of you all know I was at Super Summer um, this last week and, and spent a week with no sleep and, um, you know, talking to teenagers <throat> and, um, you know... Doing stuff that I love. Uh, I love uh, teenagers. I've been, I mean, most of you know I was a youth pastor for over 20 years uh, before I came to this church. So um, so I love teens. I love talking to them. I love, uh, I love the fact that they want to hear uh, the teaching of God's word and, and uh, they're not afraid to ask questions and come up and, and say, hey, what did you mean by this? And, and that sort of thing. I had one teen, um, I was telling someone earlier, I had one teen actually come up to me. Um, wow at a super summer. This is, a, this is a girl that just completed her freshman year in high school, and she'd come up to me, and she said, will you forgive me because I made an assumption about you that wasn't true. And I thought, man, how, how, how spiritual is that? The ninth grader said, hey, will you forgive me? I, I made an assumption that wasn't true. And uh, just thank you for allowing me to go and, and to be a part of that and, and to get to, to teach teens from around the state of Illinois. And it's, it's just a wonderful privilege to be able to do that. But that's not what the message about this morning. Uh, we worship a, a glorious and a, a great God. And he's deserving of all of our praise and all of our adoration and and everything that we can give him. He's worthy of it. But, but we know that everyone... Has a problem, and it's the same problem for every single person, for everyone on the face of this earth. They have the same problem, and that problem is this people are sinful. Every people, everywhere, are sinful. And and it may look different in different places, but the fact is everyone is sinful because we give our affections and our devotions and ourselves to all kinds of other things but God. And scripture tells us that the payment for our sin is death. The payment for our sin in front of an infinitely holy God is an eternal punishment in hell. Now listen to me. Hell's not the absence from God. Sometimes we we say that, and, and I don't think we totally think that through. We say, well, you're going to go to hell, and you're going to be separated from God forever. But rather, hell is God actively pouring out his just wrath on disobedient humanity. And it's not absence from God, but it's absence from the love of God. In hell, God is actively and decisively punishing those who violate His law. But we know this that God, in His mercy, has paved the way for salvation. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sin, to stand in our place to become sin for us, so that anyone who trusts in Christ can then be reconciled to God and be saved from hell. And this is why the gospel is referred to as the good news, because the gospel is good news. Now, here's the deal. If you are here and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ... It is because of his salvation that you will then get this opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with God forever. You can take it to the bank. It's a fact. That's what's going to happen. So we're here on earth for just a little bit of time, but we spend forever with God in his glory. But in the meantime, what has God commanded us to do? Well, his command is that you and I, because we know Christ as our Savior, because we will spend eternity with God forever. His command to us is to tell everyone everywhere about this salvation that you and I have so richly experienced. We do not do this to make everyone just like us. By forcing our beliefs on them. But instead, we warn them of a coming judgment and the consequences that they will reap from their life of sin if they don't stop living for themselves and start living for God. I think this passage in Ezekiel illustrates this for us. It's an illustration that we're the watchmen. <clears throat> we see judgment coming. And we must sound the alarm. We must warn the people around us. We must warn the nations. We must warn everyone we can possibly warn. So they won't die in their sin. And if we do that, we do our job what we're commanded to do, to warn them of coming judgment share the gospel with them, and they do not repent, then we get to rest in knowing that we have obeyed God and what he's commanded us to do. But if we don't warn them, and they die in their sin, then we disobeyed Jesus. I would ask that please stand out of respect for God's Word as we read Ezekiel chapter 33 verses 1 through 11 this morning I'll be reading from the English Standard Version the word of the Lord came to me son of man speak to your people and say to them if I bring the sword upon a land And the people of the land take a man from among them, and they make him their watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land, and he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and he did not take the warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken the warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, and he does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, And he does not turn from his way. That person shall die in his iniquity. But you shall. your you will have delivered your soul. And you son of man. Say to the house of Israel. Thus have you said. Surely are your transgressions and your sins upon us. And we brought away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them. As I live declares the Lord. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Let's pray. Father, take this word. Penetrate our hearts and lives. Who God bring conviction. We are the watchmen. Help us to stop being distracted from the mission. We are the watchmen. Oh God, convict our hearts this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to break this down into three parts for us this morning. First, we will ask the question, What are we doing? And then we will ask, How do we do it? And finally, Why do we share it? So, first, we're going to ask this question, What are we doing? To do that, we're going to look at a couple things. First, we want to look at the Great Commission. The Great Commission, what are we doing? Mark chapter 16, verse 15 tells us to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. I shared with you at the beginning why this is good news, but don't miss this. What does it say? Does it say go into some of the world and preach to some of creation? No, that's not what it tells us, right? It doesn't say go to, go to the, uh, your chosen people or go to the people that, that are your friends or go to the people that it's easy to go to and share the gospel with them. That's not what it says. It says go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. It doesn't say go and invite them to church or go and, and, you know, just tell them how nice you are and this, that, and the other. Go tell them how to be a more moral person. Go and preach the good news. And to all the world. All the world means everywhere. It doesn't mean just the United States of America. It doesn't just mean Washington, Illinois. It doesn't just mean uh, the, the state of Illinois. It means everywhere this country including all classes of people in all nations of the world even those that forbid Christianity by law all the world you may be surprised to know that one of the fastest growing church right now is in Iran being led by women who before they walk out the door they look at their family their mothers and their fathers and they say this may be the last time I see you. And they walk into the marketplace they sit down and they pray God show me who I need to share Jesus with today. And they sit there and they wait and they approach someone And they say to them, Can I tell you about Jesus? And they know at that moment their life may be over. Yeah, we can't even share with our neighbor. Just just okay. Playing church. Doing church stuff. Everyone needs to know about Jesus. Everyone. This same commission is in the book of Matthew, right? We know it. It's just in different words. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always even to the very ends of the age. Now here's what's very interesting. In the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus is just starting out his ministry. And you know what he does? He's starting out his ministry. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers there, right? They're Simon, who is called Peter. We're real familiar with Peter. And his brother, Andrew. And they're casting their nets into the sea. For they were fishermen, it says. And he says to them, don't miss this because this this is so important. He says to Peter and Andrew in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 4, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So right at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ, when he's first calling the disciples to come and follow him, he says, when you follow me, You're going to be a fisher of men. And then throughout the entirety of Matthew. And throughout the whole of Mark. The disciples are following Jesus. And Jesus is doing what? He's fishing for men. And he tells them. Now you go into all the world. And you preach the gospel to every creature. But we're not just to preach the gospel to people. But we're to make sure. They know how to follow Jesus and his teachings and how to be his disciples. Listen, church, from the very beginning of his ministry to the very end of his ministry, the focus of the ministry of Jesus was that his disciples would make disciples. And then in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, just before he sends into heaven, but you will receive Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does it mean to be a witness for Jesus Christ? It means that you testify about what Christ has done in your life and you tell others about who Jesus is. And those who followed Christ were called to be witnesses in the city, in the region where they lived, Jerusalem and Judea, but also into Samaria, which was considered an unclean and undesirable place by the Jews and in the entire world. We are called to share Jesus with our peers, with those who think we think are undesirable. I don't I don't, ooh, I don't. really like that person. We're called to share Jesus with them. We love to pretend like we don't have prejudice, right? We like to say, well, I, I don't think differently of, of people. But there's certain people we don't want to share the gospel with. the entire world means everyone everyone and anyone God brings to us the great commission secondly I want us to see the great example the great example from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. Jesus' first sermon was to warn people of the coming judgment of God. He warned them that if they did not return from their sins, they would suffer the consequences and the punishment for those sins. Notice Jesus didn't sugarcoat his message. He do not stand there and say, well, you know what? What you need to do is just try to do the best that you can. And then hopefully when you're doing the best you can, things will get worked out in your life. And then you'll eventually be able to, to find your way to God. If you just kind of feel your way around enough, you'll just, just be a good person. That's all you really have to worry about is being a good person. No, Jesus said, repent. Repent. It was urgent. It's serious. He's not messing around. In John chapter 4, he talks with a woman at the well. You probably know the story, right? You know the account of Jesus talking to the woman at the well. And he points out her sins to her. He's having a conversation with her. Go get your husband. don't have a husband. Oh, you said rightly you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man that you're currently with, he's not even your husband. Sounds real nice, doesn't it? And he tells her he's the Messiah who's come to make all things right. And then she goes into town and she shares this good news with everyone in her town. Jesus reveals to her that she was in sin before he even gave her the solution. In other places in John, Jesus heals a blind man, tells him to stop sinning. He tells an adulterous woman to stop living in her life of sin. Here's the thing, Dan. We can can learn a lot about evangelism from Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we run around and we run through the streets of Washington, Illinois, screaming at people like, hey, you guys are a bunch of sinners. You need to repent and make big signs up and and go, you know, up on the, the, uh, uh, what is this thing called up here? The square and say, hey, sinners. I'm not saying that's what we do. Not a whole lot of people are going to respond to that. Well, they'll respond, all right. You're not going to like it. But I'm telling you, it's difficult to lead someone to Christ unless they know they're a sinner. The method that Jesus used are totally different than the methods that we use today. To point people in the right direction towards God, they first need to see that they're heading in the wrong direction. Man, I know that's hard for you, right? It's hard for you to admit you're heading in the wrong direction, like when somebody says you're going the wrong way when you're driving down the road. Oh, no, I'm not. I know, I know how to get there.
1: Not me. I don't. I
0: don't know how to get anywhere. I, I have to use GPS everywhere. My wife should go somewhere one time. It's like, oh, you go up here and go three three streets down, take a left, go to the stop sign, go take a right, go to three more stop signs. Do I mean it's like I don't even. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't understand. Right? But we have to point people in the right direction because they're headed towards destruction rather than restoration. And our message isn't just that God loves people. It's that, we can't, that can't be our message. But our message is that God is infinitely perfect, God is infinitely holy and God is infinitely just. And God will punish all sinners on the day of judgment. We must speak to their conscience and show them that no one is good enough to see God. That God has provided the way out. A hope for everlasting life. They must first be humbled before they can see their need for a savior. So the question then becomes how do we do this? How is it that we can do this? How do, we, how do we take this gospel? I want to share with you some qualities that we need in order to do this. First, we must be strong. We must be strong. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, you're probably familiar with it. I, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Jesus commanded us before he ascended into heaven to preach the gospel to everyone and to everywhere. And to be honest, that's scary to follow. It's scary to to preach the gospel to people. That's why so many Christians don't do it. They fail to share their faith with others. They're afraid or they allow pride to step in the way or they say, well, what will this person think of me? Uh, Surely there's got to be another way to do this. And the church And being a Christian is not about being a spectator. It's not about being this consumeristic mentality where we come into the church and we consume everything that we can possibly consume that makes us feel good. And we get bloated, right? We get bloated on junk food. Because we think that we need to be pleased and we think that we need to be happy and we think that everything needs to go the way we want it to go. But instead, we're called to be strong and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to answer whether we really believe what we read every single week in God's Word. Do we really believe what we're saying? Do we really believe what we hear preached from the pulpit week after week after week? Do we really believe what we sing in church on Sunday morning? Do we really believe what the Bible proclaims or not? Do we really believe this is the truth? Because if God is who He says He is, and if salvation is as great as we say it is, there are those who have never heard. Never. They've never received it. And they're headed to hell. And if we really believed it, then why aren't we doing anything about it? Here's the thing, church. We make a big deal about sharing Christ, right? Oh, it's so hard. It's so this. Oh, oh, we can't do it. We can't do this. You know what sharing Christ is? It's an overflow of your love for Christ. I'm not sure we understand that. We share the gospel when we love Christ to the point that we are constantly in his word. And then our gospel witness comes naturally as an overflow of our love for Christ. So what are you saying, pastor? Well, here's what I'm saying. If that's true, if our gospel witness is an overflow of our love for Christ, how much time we're in the Word, how much time we're in prayer, how much time we're actually studying God's Word, and if it's just an overflow because we are so in tune with the will of God that we share the gospel because we know it's just naturally what we're supposed to do, then the opposite is also true. If we have no gospel witness, it's because of our lack of love for Christ, you say. Well, that hurts. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Let me ask you. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When's the last time you actually had a gospel conversation with someone? You say. Well, well. What are you saying, Pastor? That I don't. I don't love Jesus enough to share the gospel with with people? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You say, well, that's hard to hear. Yeah, I know it is. It's not my opinion. It's God's word. We get so afraid, oh, I'm going to offend someone. I'm not going to say the right words. I'm going to be rejected. Who cares? Jesus was rejected. Just like God told Joshua, be strong. We need to be strong, not afraid. Because he's with you. He's not with you sometime. He's not with you part of the time. He's with you all the time. Just like God commanded Ezekiel, be a watchman that warns the people to repent of their sins. Jesus told us to warn the people that judgment is coming. How can they escape the punishment of an eternal hell and be restored to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ? He told us that we have to always be ready and that he's going to be with us at all times. And even if people reject you, and even if people mock you, and even if people get offended... We are not to be discouraged. We're not to be dismayed. We're not to be afraid. Instead, we fear God more than we fear man. Because that person doesn't have the power to cast you into hell forever. We have to be strong. We have to be salt. Matthew 5.13 tells us that we're the salt of the earth. Have you ever had food without any salt? Some of you guys probably have been placed on and maybe have heart things, and doctors like, no salt for you, right? That stinks. I'm glad I'm not you because I like salt. <laughs> salt gives us flavor to bland food, right? It makes it better. Our lives are to be like salt on the earth We make the world around us better. And if we lose our saltiness, our ability to, to better those around us, We're not really useful to God. Our faith in Jesus and our love for Him will be evident in the fruit that we produce. We'll bring peace, joy, and love and kindness to everyone around us. But if we're just goofing off and we're not acting like Christians and we're playing church, we will not be different from the unbelievers around us. And we don't have time to be playing games. We don't have time to play church. We have to be serious about what we're proclaiming. We have to be the salt that this world needs. It's going to hell. Jesus calls us to be salt and light. We do this in our everyday lives. We do it at home. We can do it in our schools. We can do it at our work. We can do it with our friends. It's how we act. The conversations we have. The way we read our Bible. The way we pray. You see, our love for Christ should be that what we're all about. It should be evident in who we are. In every aspect of our life. Because it's a lifestyle. Be salt. Be strong, be salt, be stars. Number three, Philippians 2 15 and 16 tells us that we need to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I can remember as a teenager going to Montana to see my dad, my stepdad, who was working out in Montana. He was a union welder, so we traveled all over the place. I can remember traveling out to Montana with my mom, and I can remember as we got into the mountains, and it was a dark night, and you could see the sky so bright. It felt like you could see every single shooting star. It stood out in contrast to the dark night sky. That's supposed to be us. We are supposed to stand out in this dark world. We have the truth, the words of hope for all those that are lost in darkness. The word of life is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light and he is life. And we have him inside of of us. And if we allow Jesus to live through us and shine through us, others will see that. And they will be changed because we'll have opportunities to share the gospel with them. They'll see how different we are from the rest of the world. We must always remain humble and remember to point people to Jesus Christ. The one who makes all things new. We must hold out the word of life. Because people will not come to us for it. Many don't even realize they need life. So they're not looking for it. We have to be ready to show them the way to Jesus, who is the way of God. I want you to think about this. In the beginning of the book of Acts, there's 120 believers roughly being talked about. By the time we get to Acts chapter 28, the number has grown by some estimates to 400 times the size of what it was when it started. That's the gospel. That's people coming to know Christ. How does that happen? How do, we, how do we do that? Well, you need a good pastor, right? Isn't that how that happens? you got to have a, a good pastor. You know he's got to be one of those hip dudes with skinny jeans and sneakers and, you know, all that stuff. My jeans feel like skinny jeans right now. I put on some weight, But they're not jeans. They're, they're slaps. But, uh, right? Don't you need a good pastor? We need a awesome children's ministry. You gotta have this cool hangout place. Or you need a great youth group, or you need this, that, and the other. They can have any of that. Those things could help. Well, everything but the skinny jeans. Hip pastor, but they could help. church experienced incredible incredible growth because one the people realized they had to bring others to Christ that's everyone realized that we have to bring others to Christ I still remember when I first became the pastor just over 8 years ago First Baptist Church in Washington I remember I stood up here right I looked out. And these were my exact words. I don't know how I remember them because I don't remember a lot of things. <laughs> I remember this. If you think hiring a new pastor is going to grow your church, you're wrong. You will grow your church. By sharing the gospel. church isn't grown, it's not the pastor's fault. It's yours. He said, well, how dare you? No, how dare you? How dare you take the gospel of Jesus Christ for granted? And if you want to come and have me report who I share the gospel with, I'll gladly do it. It's time to stop playing games. It's time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a world that's dying. It's time to get serious. Last question. How do we share? How do we do it? Well, we have love for the lost. Look at Luke 15, 7 tells us, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. God does not enjoy sending anyone to hell and does not want to see anyone excluded from his kingdom to perish. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that. God told Ezekiel, He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't want them to die but to live. And if we are to follow Jesus' example, we should be concerned for the souls of those that are outside the kingdom of God. And just like Ezekiel, the watchman for Israel, who sounds the alarm and warns the people of impending danger, we have to sound the alarm. We have to send out warnings. We are to warn those who are lost, and we must do it out of love. And when someone repents of their sin and turns to God and places their trust in Jesus, there's a celebration in heaven. The person is like the prodigal son whose father celebrates his return and embraces him in his love. And if this is God's heart towards people, it must be our heart towards people. We can't just love the lost. We have to show our love by sharing the gospel. Romans 10. 13 through 15, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? How then can they call on one that they've not believed? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've never even heard of? And how can they hear without someone that's going to preach to them? And how can they preach unless someone sent to them? as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's you. That's you. How beautiful are your feet when you bring good news. Jesus has sent us to preach the good news to those who have not heard of him to say that they can all call on his name and be saved. Love for the lost, lastly, life for the lost. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 15. Only the names of those that are saved are written in the book of life, and anyone whose name is not there will suffer eternal condemnation. If a name's not in the book of life, that person will have eternal life. If a name is in the book of life, they'll have eternal life with God in heaven. (laughs) If those who are lost repent of living for themselves and start living for Jesus, they will inherit the eternal life rather than spend eternity in hell. We don't want people to suffer in hell. So we tell them about Jesus. And if they accept him, they will have life. If not, how can we know that they've obeyed God? Listen, I've shared this with you before, church. The question is not how much do we need to love someone to share the gospel with them, but really the question is how much do you need to hate them not to share the gospel with them? Perhaps you're here this morning or you're listening online or you will listen at another time. You realize that you've never really received Jesus as your Savior. I want you to know that today is a day of salvation, that you can trust in Christ today, you can place your hope in him. By praying something like this, you can pray, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are God's son, that you died to forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. I want to live for you the rest of my life. Amen. It's not magic. Christ saved you if you called. Out to Him. It's just your expression of your trust in Him. And He'll save you. If you said that prayer, you want to know more about it, I'd love to follow up with you. You can come forward at the end here. Or you, if you're online, you can text the word FAITH to 309-328-3488. You can even do that in your pew if you want to. Listen, the prophets of the Old Testament, such as Ezekiel, were ridiculed and rejected for the message of repentance and forewarning of bad things to come. As the body of Christ begins to take the message of the gospel outside the walls of the church, many will be mocked and they will be rejected. But they can rejoice in doing the work of Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus had compassion on those who wandered around like sheep without a shepherd. We have to demonstrate his love by sharing with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. the message of hope that can save them from an eternal hell. This morning I'd like for you to write down some people. Just think of some people that you know. That don't know Christ. Just write their names down. That's the first step. Who are you going to share the gospel with? It can just be. the. I see the same checkout person at the bank. Or the same person at Walmart. Or the same person wherever. You share the gospel with them. Because here's the thing. God placed you in their life for a reason. So just write their name down. You're in their life for a reason. You have the answer to eternal life. I want you to ask this question. Do I care? Do I care that they're lost and dying and going to hell? Do I care? I want you to look at your list. I want you to today start praying. God, Give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And then I want you to be driven to your word. And I want you to be so in love with Jesus Christ that your gospel sharing is a natural outflow of your life. Because this is what I know. If you begin to pray, God, give me opportunities to share the gospel. You will see miraculous things happening. So often, church, we are so busy sounding the wrong alarm. You know what that looks like, right? We sound the wrong alarm. We sound the church alarm. You ever sound the church alarm? If only I could get this person to church. If I could get them to come into the building. If I could get them in the walls of the church. The pastor can can lead them to Jesus. We sound sound the alarm of of morality. Preach a moralistic gospel. Well real Christians wouldn't do that. You can't have a tattoo, you can't have your nose pierced, you can't have you can't look like that, and surely that person's not a Christian. I saw so and so doing this. They must not be a believer. We sound the alarm of our preferences. I don't like the music. I don't like this. I don't like that. We sit, we bicker, we fight over things that don't matter. And in the meantime, while we're sitting there fighting over the things that don't matter, people are dying and going to hell. And that's what matters. Sounding the wrong alarms. My favorite wrong alarm Is when we sound the wrong alarm as the gatekeeper of the church We got to make sure That this church does things the way that I want them done take this word and I want you to show me in God's word where we are called to do things the way you want them done. did you see what happened? I heard pastor say something from the I heard pastor say that he's gonna he wants elders. Oh, no, sound the alarm. Ring the bell. Call a meeting. We got to do something. Call up everybody I can. Sound the alarm. And People outside of our walls are going to hell. Sound the alarm of the gospel church. Sound the alarm of the gospel and make it ring loud and clear. The people in Washington, Illinois will say that church. They're serious about the gospel. That church preaches God's word. That church lives God's word. That church loves Jesus Christ. That church is concerned with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stop playing church. Did you hear it? Son of man, I've made you the watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak, and I give them warning for me and give them warning for me. When I say to the wicked, oh wicked man, you will surely die. And you don't speak to dissuade them from their ways. They'll die in their sin. and I'll hold you accountable for their blood. Church, how much blood is on our hands? Sound the gospel alarm. What do we do? nice Feel like I have words. Forgive us, forgive us as a church. but the gospel. Oh God, I don't want our gospel witness to be removed from our community. Lord, forgive me for times that I have not sounded the alarm. Oh God, that we would Repent. Drive us to repentance. Drive us to our knees, God. Drive us to our face. We're not taking your gospel seriously. Give us the courage to stand for the gospel. Give us the courage to respond and not care. What man might think. And however you may be leading us. Whether it's to come to this altar. And get on our face before God. Whether it's someone that needs salvation. We'd seek. To glorify you. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ.